The Outside World is brought to you by GameTime, your new go-to app for the best deals on last-minute tickets. Did you know Oklahoma ticket prices tend to drop right before the game starts? GameTime tracks prices in real time from thousands of trusted sellers, then shows you all the best last-minute deals with prices up to 60% off. More than 12 million fans have downloaded the GameTime app and discovered the fastest, easiest way to get into the game. The GameTime app has tickets across all major leagues and teams in case you want to score Oklahoma City Thunder tickets as the NBA season begins. The app is simple, quick, and easy to navigate and features an easy two-tap checkout system. So head to the App Store or Play Store now to download GameTime and score awesome deals on last-minute tickets. It's not about what the outside world thinks, it's about what does, you know, what do you have in that room and the best man wins and you give everybody a shot at it. The outside world doesn't see the summer workout on a Monday morning. They don't see that progress, but, but we as coaches do. Well, regardless of what the outside world thinks, we, we believe a lot in our defense. Welcome to another edition of The Outside World after Oklahoma's Big time beatdown at home against the West Virginia Mountaineers and former Sooner Austin Kendall. It's a 52-14 to final. And Jason Kersey, as always, joins us. And my first question to you, Jason, is, is Oklahoma so good that they've become boring? <laughs> Great question. Great question. Um, they aren't boring. That game was boring. I would I would say I you know I don't know how other people feel about it but you know you you, you just you knew what was going to happen you knew that OU was going to win convincingly West Virginia is really a bad team this year um, I think Neil Brown's a great coach and I do think that he's very capable of getting that thing turned around but not this year so you sort of knew what was going to happen and I don't know man it was just. It was just sort of a boring game. I, I can't really even describe why. I mean, there were some exciting moments. Jalen Hurts had another huge game, had a really beautiful uh, touchdown pass to Lee Morris, maybe his best throw of the year. And um, and, and there was a block punt for a touchdown. I mean, there were, there were exciting things about the game generally, but on the whole, I just, I mean, it was just sort of one of those, by the time OU went up, by three or four scores in the third quarter, it was like, okay, all right, I'm, I'm ready to go home now. <laughs> and, and honestly, I asked that question somewhat tongue-in-cheek, but you know, I've covered Alabama for a while, and when you do reach a certain point, Jason, and you are that much better than your opponents, weeks come and, and weeks go, and you start to realize that these games are just complete no contests. And... Oklahoma has found themselves in that situation right now. And and I, I think Lincoln Riley, I think Alex Grinch, I think Jalen Hurts and the leadership of this football team deserve credit for for that 52-14 to 14 win over West Virginia. You know why, Jason? It's because of what happened to Texas against Kansas. Yeah, oh my God, man. What You know, the only thing about that that sucked is that I don't have the Longhorn Network. I mean, who does, you know? so I, oh, yeah. I have, if, if it happens on Longhorn Network, Jason, it, it's like that cliche. If a tree falls in the forest and no one is there, did anybody hear it? If Texas plays Kansas close on Longhorn Network, did anybody really see it? You know what was really frustrating about that, too? I'm just going to complain on this podcast, John. Um, you know what was really frustrating about that, too? Go is, right ahead. Air it that, out, my friend. Is that... So I don't have the Longhorn Network, but I do have that ESPN goal line, which is supposed to like 
put on exciting games, and they didn't put that on once. I, I was watching literally Nevada and Utah State. Um, and <laughs> Well, Fack and, and Aggies, man. That's a huge matchup. And while that Kansas-Texas game is going on, and correct me if I'm wrong, but the Longhorn Network is an ESPN thing, right? Like, how does that happen? It certainly is. How did that <laughs> I happen? I, I don't know. I mean, that was honestly going to be one of the biggest upsets of the season. If, if Kansas could pull that off and it's, and it looked like oh, they were, they were so close, man, to do it. They were so close. They make, the two point, they make the two point conversion. And, and of course, Texas has to, to drive down the field, get in field goal range. And they, and they hit a game winner to beat Kansas. I mean, it would have been a perfect day for Sooner fans to blow out West Virginia and see Texas lose to Kansas. But nonetheless, Texas wins. This is an Oklahoma podcast. It's the outside world. So I want to get into the Sooners. We can, we can forget about Texas maybe until the Big 12 championship game. But the way things are trending right now, maybe it's not Texas that Oklahoma will see uh, in the Big 12 championship game. We can get into that. But first, I want to ask you about Jalen Hurts, of course, because we can't do an episode of the show, Jason, without really diving into, in my mind, college football's uh, best quarterback's performance. And yesterday was a historic day for Jalen Hurts. His 308.5 passer efficiency rating was a career high. It's the highest in the nation this season and the second highest in OU history. Oklahoma, 560 yards of offense, averaging nine and a half yards per play. Jalen Hurts, I believe it was 16 for 17, throwing the football. I mean, you're you're the one, Jason, that get that gets to be there in person, man. You get to sit in the press box and you get to witness this with your own two eyes. What did it look like yesterday with Jalen Hurts orchestrating that offensive performance? Tell me if this sounds weird, but it's almost like he's gotten so good that it just sort of happens, you know, like you don't even realize how good he is while it's happening until you look at the stats. That may sound really stupid, but it's like, that's kind of the way it was with, it got with Kyler last year. I think that's probably the way it got with Baker, um, where these guys are operating so efficiently and it's just sort of happening and you expect it to happen that the shocking thing is when they have to punt. The shocking thing is when there's a turnover, you know, when, when Jalen hurts just marches right down the field, completes three or four passes and they're in the end zone. That's not shocking anymore. And it's like, now there was a moment. I, I, I will go back to the Lee Morris touchdown that I think was his best throw of the year. It was it was just a beautiful throw. Um, he almost got sacked. I mean, all of that kind of stuff. Um, there are still those wow moments, but as the, on the whole, and again, I, I I want you to correct me if that sounds ridiculous, but it's like it just isn't shocking anymore. No, sometimes you take great performances and, and great players for granted because you start to expect it, and and the the, the bar has been set so high and the standard. Uh, is now excellence, and it's not just about Jalen Hurts. It's about Lincoln Riley. It's about Baker Mayfield. It's about Kyler Murray. When you show up to see an Oklahoma football game or when you when you flip on the TV at 11 a.m. Central time to watch the Sooners, uh, you expect this type of performance. And by the way, what was it like um, breakfast in the press box? You getting used to that in Norman? Oh, my God, man. Don't even get me started on that. Um you know, 11 a.m. kicks are the worst. <laughs> uh, I know that a lot of media people disagree with me on this. I've argued with 
with some of my friends about this before. A lot of people in the media like 11 a.m. kicks because you get to get the, your game done and then you get to go watch other games at night. But for me, um, I don't like waking up at seven in the morning, uh, just generally speaking in my life, but especially, um, especially I can get on board with that, especially to get up and go and spend, you know, the entire day at the stadium. I, I would prefer an afternoon or night game. Um, but that's just me. Uh, you know, I, I, what I, who I, you know what, but this is what I signed up for. This is my job. What I really feel bad for are the fans. Um, especially OU fans have gotten a little bit screwed. I think when it comes to this stuff, Fox has made the big noon, whatever their, their big game. And so that has caused OU to have to be, uh, to, to get slotted in at this 11 AM time. And it just, it's frustrating for fans. It's, uh, it's frustrating for, for Lincoln Riley because it totally screws up recruiting. I mean, you think about it. These guys have got to uh, – these recruits have got to play on Friday night. And then if if they're coming from far away, which, by the way, OU recruits nationally, um, it's really hard for guys to get to Norman in time for these 11 a.m. games. And so it's uh, it's not good. And, they're, and I, I Joe Castiglione sort of addressed this on Twitter yesterday to fans – um, saying that you know they they are they're trying to to fix this, but um, you know next week is another one. Although that's on the road, I don't think that the the team uh, itself cares as much about the 11 a.m. games on the road because they get to get back home quickly. But um, the the home games 11 a.m. The Big 12's got to do something about that because uh, it's not right to make the team that has carried your conference play at home in the morning as much as OU has to do. You know, I'm looking at the schedule and I see Iowa State uh, coming to Norman. I see TCU as well um, in the month of November. What do you think in regards to those kickoff times? Do you think they're going to get a late afternoon or a night game? Or do you think Fox, if Oklahoma is still rolling, will we'll select them once again for that big noon window? They will. I mean, I think they will. If, if Fox has the first choice on those weekends, I think they will select OU. Um and OU's just going to have to find a way to deal with it, but it's 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 a disadvantage, and it's uh, and again, I spent a good amount of time complaining about the media aspect. I know no one cares about that, so I'm not. You know what? That's not even the important thing. The important thing is the fans and the team itself, um, and it's not right because again, OU is the team that has carried the Big Twelve. They should they should have a little bit more flexibility in terms of uh kickoff times they they've i i would think they've earned it you know while we're touching briefly on on the negatives that came out of of yesterday uh, first year coordinator defensive coordinator of course alex grinch he's starting to be, become a household name for anybody who follows follows the sport of college football because uh if you know the game you know that this defense has completely transformed um, in less than a year. So the job that he's done is phenomenal. But yesterday he called the defensive performance, quote, troubling. And the reason why he did that, Jason, is because it's the third consecutive game when the Sooners didn't force any interceptions or fumbles. And we know that's been Alex Grinch's calling card. He wants takeaways. He wants turnovers. And it's not happening for the defense. Why not? Man, um I don't know. <laughs> it's it's interesting because the, this is the thing that they have talked about and obsessed about since Alex Grinch got here is takeaways, takeaways, takeaways. It's all we want. It's the reason we're on the field is to get the ball back for the offense. They practice strip drills. 
They practice ball drills for interceptions. They do all of that stuff. It's, it is their obsession. And so to go three straight games without him, especially, you know, against Texas, it's almost like, well, Texas is a pretty good offense, right? I mean, Sam Ellinger is a good quarterback. But when you're looking at West Virginia, West Virginia is one of the most turnover-prone teams in the Big 12. I mean, they were second in the in the conference entering Saturday in in turnovers, and um, or second to last, I guess, depending on how you look at it. And um, OU managed to to get no takeaways against them, and that's the third straight game. And two of those have been Kansas and West Virginia. I mean, th- for all the good that they're doing, and they are doing real a lot of really good things. They've got to start forcing some turnovers. Uh, and that's not me saying that. That's Alex Grinch saying that. And But I'll also add that when you get into November uh, against Iowa State and Baylor and Oklahoma State, some games that might be pretty tough uh, November games for Oklahoma, a turnover could be the difference. And so they need to start doing that. Yeah, and it's not just against bad teams where you got to force turnovers. When you get into those big-time matchups, you mentioned that game against Texas. It would have been really nice to have one. Uh, it's a seven-point game at the end, 34-27 to 27 against your rival at the Cotton Bowl. So you come out of that happy, but at the same time, a couple turnovers, and all of a sudden that score is a lot different. In fact, it went the other way around. You know, Texas forces a couple red zone turnovers, and they stay in the football game. So it goes without saying, and anybody who has a, a football mind knows that turnovers are the key when it comes to college football. But nonetheless, re- regardless of that, it's, it's nice to know that this defense still has, has something to work on. You know, it's not like they're fat and happy. It's not like they're, they're looking at themselves in the mirror and saying, wow, we're so much better than, than we were last year. This is great. Let's just cruise the rest of the season. I think this creates an edge, maybe a chip on the shoulder that, that Alex Grinch can use um, as the Sooners come down the stretch on the second half of the season. Yeah, it could um, because you know he's going to be emphasizing it. You know he's going to be yelling about it a lot in practice. I mean, this is um, this is their thing. This is what they want to be great at. And, you know, but to look on the bright side here, <laughs> um, OU gave up, uh, you know, very few yards yesterday, 3.8 yards per play to West Virginia, which is the lowest in a couple of years that they've surrendered to anybody. Um, so that's, that's a real positive. Um, they still were flying around. Kenneth Murray still looks like, you know, a legitimate all America candidate. So, um, so even without the takeaways, there is a lot to be excited about, about this defense. They, they really are playing like a complete team now. And that is not something you could have said the last two years or three years. Yes, absolutely. I mean, it's, uh, I can't remember the last time Oklahoma had, had a, had a really Really solid, solid defense, and and the reason why I say that is because uh, Oklahoma has been in the national spotlight now um, for the last couple seasons, and, and it hasn't been the defense that that's put them there. It's been a, a team that relies heavily on offensive football. I just have, you know, I was thinking about something, and you talked about maybe Jalen Hurts' um, best throw of the season, and y- you talked about the was it the Lee Morris completion? Yeah, the uh, touchdown. It, yeah. Yes, I, I've got. I got to disagree with you, man, and I think that's maybe just like a uh, preference on what a great quarterback throw looks like. But man, that that Jeremiah Hall touchdown pass rolling out to the right puts it on a dime over the entire defense in the red zone. I mean, that's the that's the type of throws I like to see from Jalen Hurts on the move, putting the putting the ball right between the numbers I mean this kid I'm not kidding you Jason like I I, I wake up on Sunday mornings and I think about Oklahoma 
when I think about Jalen Hurts and I think about Lincoln Riley, I look at the schedule and I just say to myself, like, this team is is a real national championship contender because of of the ability that Jalen Hurts now has to throw the football. And I think, you know, the throw to Jeremiah Hall and the throw to Lee Morris, they're both they're both great throws, but they're different throws. This guy isn't a one-trick pony. I mean, I don't want to I don't want to go too far off the deep end and just talk about Oklahoma as a national championship team. I mean, my job is to look at the sport um, from a big picture standpoint. Um, I produce all of our national shows here here at the Athletics, so I'm always looking at things from that angle, Jason. And you are you're in the weeds, you're in the bubble, you're you're covering this team closer than anybody. And by the way, you can you can you can find Jason's coverage of Oklahoma at theathletic.com slash the outside world. If you're not a subscriber, go to that link. You get 40% off your annual subscription. You can get all of Jason's incredible journalistic work covering covering the Sooners. But can we agree from our different vantage points, Jason, that this team like should win a national championship? Like, Are you willing to go that far uh, right now? Should or could? I mean, Should. Jalen Hurts is, for my money, the best quarterback in college football. Um, man, I don't. Two a tongue of a low gets injured, Jason. Joe Burrow, yeah, he looks great, but what defense has he really gone up against? And I know you can say the same thing for Oklahoma, but I've covered Jalen Hurts along uh, just as long along with Joe Burrow. I mean, Jalen Hurts does more. Yeah, I mean, should they win the national championship? I don't know that I'm willing to go that far yet. I would say they could. I think they can. This is and 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 honestly, it's kind of the first time in a while that I've really felt that way. I mean, I thought in 2015 they could win it. Uh, they had a pretty good defense that year, and that's why I come back to defense. I mean, 17 and 18 were years where they should have been in the picture if they'd been just a little bit better on defense. Um, but this year, I think they can because of that defense. They seem to finally be playing good defense and and defense that even against a Tua Tagovailoa or Joe Burrow or whoever they might face in the playoff, um, they should be able to get some stops and, and give the offense time to score. I mean, look, Jalen Hurts looks great. I'm not trying to discount what Jalen Hurts is doing. What, he looks incredible. But he's not the reason that I think they can win the national championship. It's the defense. They've had great quarterbacks. And, I mean, going back to Jason White and Sam Bradford and, and um, you know, on and on, uh, Kyler Murray, Baker Mayfield. But they, uh, and of course, it's a little bit different because in 03 they did have a great uh, defense. Uh, so maybe that's a bad comparison. But my point is just they've had great quarterbacks, especially the last couple of years. But what they haven't had is a competent defense, and they have that now. And that's why I think they can. I'm not going to go as far as to say they should. I still think there's a lot of really good teams out there. Um, I think Ohio State looks freaking unstoppable right now um lsu looks really good if once alabama gets to a back they're obviously a, a a real threat i can't believe wisconsin lost though by the way i know this isn't a wisconsin podcast but holy cow it's a bad loss for paul christ and the badgers it, it really is uh, especially a team that's coming out of the big 10 west the only the only way you're going to get to the national championship or, or i shouldn't say national championship college football playoff um is to run through the Big Ten West unscathed and get to the, the Big Ten Championship. You can't lose in the Big Ten West and go to the playoff. It's just not a strong enough division. 
yeah, I mean, I think they, I mean, man, what a, what a terrible loss. And I really thought they were, they were legit good too. So, but anyway, you gotta, you gotta give the football to Jonathan Taylor and, and it, it goes to show when, when you, you get away from, from, from what got you there, then maybe you've got a reason to look at a coach and say, um, what are you doing? Um, don't make this more difficult than, than it needs to be. And, and we're seeing that with Oklahoma. Lincoln Riley's willing to run. Jalen Hurts. Jalen Hurts is willing to run. He needs to run. Um, if if Jalen Hurts and his Oklahoma offense decided to throw the ball 50 times in a game and not get Jalen Hurts out of the pocket, that's when I'd be concerned. That's when I would think the coaching staff is is doing a little too much. But you said you think there's a number of good teams in college football. Um, are there? I mean, I, I get it that you know there there are you know you can look at the top 10. You can say, oh, there's a bunch of teams that that Oklahoma might lose to. But the fact of the matter is that Oklahoma is only going to play two of them at most. And Ohio State, I'd take Jalen Hurts over Justin Fields. I'd take Lincoln Riley over Ryan Day. Yeah, they've got a, a baller on, on defense, Chase Young, can get after the quarterback better than anybody. But right now, if you ask me Ohio State or Oklahoma, i take the Sooners. Oh, man. I... I maybe i mean i think it'd be a great game i i just don't know that i'm quite there yet i think ohio state uh is is really really great i i don't i don't know who i would pick in that game to be honest with you i th- i think they're both looking really good um but i think there's a really good likelihood we get that football game by the way well that would be a lot of fun wouldn't it man oh it would be fantastic i mean the SEC would be besides itself if that was the national championship game. <laughs> Oklahoma would have to be in the three spot and Ohio State in the one, maybe. Um, yeah. Obviously, you have to avoid that semifinal matchup, but, man, those SEC folks would be would be upset. And you know what they would do, Jason, honestly? I bet you Alabama fans would – I bet you Alabama would claim another national championship if Jalen Hurts <laughs> Yes, yes, I love it. They totally would. Well, I mean that they and they'd maybe claim that Heisman Trophy too if he wins the Heisman. They might, you know, they they, I mean, they just like to claim things down there. They're all about claiming things. They certainly are. They certainly are. I. <laughs> that's a good one. That's a good one. But seriously though, I mean, uh, you got Ohio State. What about LSU? I mean, LSU plays Texas, and and they play Texas just the same as as Oklahoma does. And Oklahoma's defense played better against Texas. Um, and, and I know that that game that LSU had was was in Austin, so it's a little bit of a different scenario. Um, but then you, well, you see Clemson. What about Clemson? Well, real quick, I was just going to say, playing in Austin, we found out last night, isn't <laughs> <laughs> maybe isn't quite as big a deal as we thought it was, since the That's the Rock Chalk Jayhawks almost went in there and won. Uh, and then Clemson, I just, I'm just not impressed by them. I'm just not uh, yet. And I, I think they are going to get in if they go undefeated. Uh, but if they lose one game, they're out. Totally agree. 100%. And that almost happened. Maybe should have happened uh, in Chapel Hill against North Carolina. Jalen, you know what puts Jalen Hurts' season into perspective, Jason? It's the play of Trevor Lawrence. I mean, five months ago, if we, we sat down together and we had lunch and we said, hey, man, you know, who's the best quarterback in college football? Uh, we, we probably would have agreed that it was probably Trevor Lawrence, right? Yeah, I, I don't know what's going on with him. I mean, I, I think it would have been a it would have been a, a competition between him and Tua. And 
Um, Trevor Lawrence just has not been impressive. Tua's been been great, but now he's hurt. I, you know, certainly hope that that's not not serious because he's one of those guys that is that makes college football so much fun. But, um, but yeah, I mean, Trevor Lawrence certainly would have would have been, if not the choice, one of the two choices. Hundred percent. Yeah. So I, I mean, and, and I bring up all these other squads um on the show just so we can just get a a perspective and and talk about this Sooners team um from from a a bird's eye view um because you do such a you do such a great job of of covering the inside ins and outs of this football team last week your your podcast with with Alan Taylor the the West Virginia writer on the Athletic by the way those episodes are subscriber only episodes and that link I gave you earlier theathletic.com/theoutsideworld that link We'll, we'll get you 40% off and you'll get all of Jason's writing, but you also get his subscriber-only podcast episodes as well where, where Jason does a deep dive um, into the, the Sooners' weekly matchup. And last week's episode was, was phenomenal, and this week you're going to be talking about Kansas State. What's it like to go on the road um, to Kansas State, a place that's in the middle of nowhere? Um, if you're not going there to, to see a football game, you're probably not ever going to be. Um, out of Kansas State. What what's it like there? What 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 should we expect for this week? Do you think it's going to be uh, an interesting crowd? Do you think they're going to be into it? Because because ever since Bill Snyder's left that program, I feel like it's just like a meh type of team. I mean, yeah, it's different. I do think Chris Kleiman is a is a good coach. I think that was a really good hire. Um, uh, what's it like? I, I'll tell you the truth. I love going to Kansas State. I love Manhattan, Kansas. I think it's a cool little college town. Um, I think it's a great, great atmosphere. The stadium is loud. Um, it's really one of it's it's a smaller stadium. I think they seat probably around fifty thousand or so, um, but it's actually pretty loud in there. Um, you know, I, I have really good memories of going to Kansas State when I was a kid. Um, the, when, when OU would play there, my, my parents would go uh, to up there a couple of times, and, and I went there. Kansas State is actually, this is a little random fact that no one cares about about me, but Kansas State is the first college that I got an acceptance letter to. Oh, congratulations. Um, that's, that's always something to remember. <laughs> yeah, I didn't go there. but well, Why uh, didn't did, you go there? I just didn't want to go that far from home. Um, gotcha. But even though it's not that far, but I, I, I wanted to stay in Oklahoma. But... Um, but so I'll always have a little bit of a special place in my heart for Manhattan, Kansas, for Kansas state. And, uh, yeah, it was the, yeah, I applied there and got accepted and I, I thought about it, but, uh, ultimately, uh, ended up first at East central university in Ada, Oklahoma for a year and then OU, but, um, but it's a cool place. It's a cool atmosphere for college football. They've really made it into something, uh, special up there, I think, um, and you know, the fans are really into it. And so, you know, you can't really beat an atmosphere like that. It's a tough place for opposing teams to play. It really is. Four and two on the season, Kansas State. So it's not like um, they're having a terrible year. They don't have a, a huge win on on the resume. They did, they did beat TCU though uh, yesterday, which is which is a nice W. So you beat TCU and you stay at home, and you've got a chance to for the Sooners to come into town. So while I don't expect the Sooners to have any issue with Kansas State, uh, Kansas State seems to be in a pretty good place coming into this football game. Do you expect a tougher test than West Virginia? 
Oh, yeah, I think they're better than West Virginia. I mean, I think West Virginia is one of the worst teams in the league right now. So um, it'll be tougher than West Virginia. It's on the road. It's in a stadium that, as I said, can be sort of tough on on uh, visitors. Um, but I do think OU will win. I mean, the, the thing about Kansas State is that we had this we had this idea of what we thought they were when they beat Mississippi State. And uh, Mississippi State, as it turns out, is not very good. So I think that probably um, skewed my view on them a little bit. I mean, they lost then to Oklahoma State, which, as it turns out, I mean, it's not as good as maybe we thought they were. Uh, And then lost to Baylor, which, by the way, Baylor, uh, let me just say, I've been on the Baylor bandwagon for a long time. And yesterday they got a good win in Stillwater. That is going to be a tough game for the Sooners uh, here, here in about a month. So um, that is, that is the game I think is going to be the toughest for them uh, to win the rest of the way. But Kansas state's not gonna be easy, but I, I don't expect them to have too much trouble. Me, me neither. Um, I just think that when you get a W at home um, and you, you have that opportunity to stick around uh, so basically, you're you're at home for uh, a, a long while, even before that. That loss against Baylor um, on the fifth. Uh, you you look at Kansas State's schedule, and the last time they were on the road was September 28th. They've been sitting in Manhattan for a month waiting for Baylor, TCU, and Oklahoma to come into town. So. Uh, we'll see. Maybe this game's closer than we think. Uh, I'm not going to go give a projected line like I did last week because the information that I got was wrong <laughs> or a couple weeks ago when we were talking uh, pre-Texas. Uh, but what would you expect the line to be in that football game? I'm thinking somewhere Oklahoma to be favored by 17 or 18 points. That's almost exactly what I was going to say. I was going to say somewhere between 17 and 20. So, yeah, that, that's, that's about what I think it'll be. That, that seems cool. about right. And finally, Jason, I've got to get your thoughts on the biggest story of the day. Um, it, it's such a big story that it's in the offbeat section of the podcast, which is our last couple minutes. And that is the schooner crash, an epic fail after an Oklahoma touchdown yesterday. When you watch the replay, Jason, it's scary. And I, I think the way that it, that it went on social media, that that the poor woman just got completely thrown out of the wagon, it looks scary. And it led the OU Athletics Department to release a statement saying, quote, we believe it was the result of a weight distribution among the riders in the rear of the wagon. Three individuals were evaluated at the stadium and released. All others reported that they were uninjured. Did you happen to see this live or were you looking somewhere else in the stadium? I, after OU scored the touchdown and before the extra point, I went to the restroom. And so I missed it. Um, live. Um, come on, and so, man. And so when I came back, I mean, that's a good time to go if you need it to go, right? Time. Yeah, it is. Um, oh, doesn't miss extra points very often, and I can, you know, get get my business taken care of before the kickoff. So, um, so anyway, so I missed it. Uh, but by the time I got back, though, I mean, the, the some of the debris was still on the field, so I was like, "What the heck happened?" And somebody had to tell me. And then by that point, it was all over Twitter. So. Uh, yeah, fortunately, nobody was hurt because uh, it certainly looked like they could have been um, based on the way those two people landed on the on the turf. Um, 
the horses though were fine. I don't know if you saw, they just kept going because the wagon yeah. fell off the wheels and the horse just kept going, uh, which, which is good. don't, don't want to see animals get hurt. Now, PETA did release a statement, um, or a tweet about this, which I referenced in my game column. Um, because, uh, you know, PETA, PETA's PETA. They're going to do that. Um, yeah, they're, they're, let me, their quote, quote, exploiting animals for sports is unnecessary and incredibly dangerous for animals and in capital letters, humans. Yeah, I mean, you know, we can, uh, you know, have a debate about that. I, I, I'm, I, I am actually generally of the opinion that I'm not crazy about live mascots, generally speaking. Um, uh, but that, but I don't think I'd go that far. Um, I mean, come on. There's a di- Jason. There's a difference between a couple horses. And a live tiger in yeah. a cage, uh, in of Baton course. Rouge. Yeah, and I mean, that, and that, that, and to and me, that that's, that's what, what I'm talking, and that's what I'm talking about. By the way, that one I think is goes too far. Um, but yeah, the, I mean, the horses. It's it's not that big. Of, no, I'm not saying that OU should get rid of the. Before any OU fans get really upset with me, I'm not saying that OU should get rid of the Sooner Schooner or the horses. I'm just saying that uh, I'm I'm just trying to sort of think through this PETA tweet and saying that like, I generally don't love live mascots, but like, I also think there are levels of them and this is not that big of a deal. And by the way, the horses were fine. They just kept going. They didn't give a shit. They just kept going. (laughs) (laughs) They absolutely, they were like, okay, where's the tunnel? We usually go down the tunnel after we go uh, run out after a touchdown. Um, You know what, you know what you talk about, um, you know, should, should the, the sooner schooner, uh, exist with the the live mascots, you know, should they fly the war Eagle at, at Auburn, you know, should Mike, the tiger be there? Um, you know, there was an incident earlier this year, uh, in the, uh, Auburn Mississippi state game where bully, the bulldog was by the goal line and he got hit pretty hard. You know, he could have been, could have been injured in that situation, but well, you know, and what about last year with Bevo and, and Ugga the bulldog, uh, at the, was it, what was that at the sugar bowl? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so the, the incident with Mississippi state and Auburn, um, uh, I tweeted, it was like, you know, sometimes you tweet something and you don't really expect it to be that big of a deal, but then it becomes like a massive gets retweeted. That happened to me last week, by the way. Yeah. That happened to me about that because after the Auburn player, it was number 28 ran into, the bulldog, which is totally nobody's fault. Like, um, I said, band number 28 for life. It was a joke because I love dogs. Um, and that tweet got retweeted a bunch of times. And I had all these crazy people in my mentions like, Oh, what ban him for, for falling out of bounds. Like people learn how to read tone, you know, Jesus. Um, so that actually was pretty funny, but, uh, and, but I am ultra protective of dogs. I just, for the record, yeah, you but got, you gotta uh, be I don't, best friend. I, I, mean. I don't believe that number 28 should have been banned for life. I just want to make sure that's on the record that that was a joke. Yeah. Yeah, and and I'm glad that you're clear. Uh, you're clarifying all this too, because I could just see this morning. And I'm surprised it didn't happen. A a woke headline from from Dan Walken of USA Today: Sco- uh, Sooner Schooner not fit for football. OU needs to do away with tradition. Just like all the fake outrage I saw this morning, and I'm talking about Sunday as we record this podcast about Jeremy Pruitt grabbing Jarrett Garantano's face mask 
face mask briefly as he came off the field. I feel like we might be on different sides about this, so I'm curious just quickly. Um, did you see that play, and what's, uh, what's your take on that situation? Do you think it's, it's I, outrageous, or do you think there's fake outrage? I don't really have an opinion on that. I don't care about someone grabbing a face mask. So, no, we're not on different sides. I, I, I just don't care. <laughs> right. Um, I don't think it's a big there, deal. You're going to see a lot of fake outrage on, on the media networks, on the woke stations today talking about should a coach grab a face mask and um to me it's just a side note of a, another boring alabama tennessee matchup yeah my god when is tennessee gonna get it together that game used to be really fun <laughs> the third saturday in october smoke the cigars after the game now it's an embarrassment don't smoke those cigars man who cares tennessee doesn't doesn't put up a fight although they were they were the, within a couple touchdowns in the fourth quarter with two out injured so we're gonna follow that storyline of course we're gonna follow the sooners uh, we're going to get Jason's take on the the Kansas State, more of Jason's take on the Kansas State matchup later this week on the outside world. Remember, subscribe, rate, and review here on Apple Podcasts or wherever you're listening. Make sure uh, you drop us a good review. Um, tell us what you think about um, all the topics that, that we've discussed on today's show. Jason, uh, I want to give you a chance to, to promo what you're working on for this week. If there's anything that that's popped up, your, your Adrian Peterson story was, was phenomenal. And I think that got a, a lot of great reaction and, and reviews from the OU fan base. What do you got up your sleeve for this week? A couple, a couple things. I mean, the main thing this week is I'm writing about, and honestly, this was supposed to publish last week, but um, didn't quite come together the way I, I had hoped, so I'm, I'm, I was holding off. But I'm writing a story sort of about Alex Grinch as a motivator um, and, and how he motivates players because the OU defensive players seem so much more motivated than they did last year. I think anybody uh, with a working set of eyeballs could, could tell that, that they're playing much more motivated and fired up. And so I'm sort of diving into his motivation tactics and, and how players are motivated today. Love it. Uh, I'm a huge, huge fan of that. I look forward to that story. I'm a big motivational guy. I think football is like one of the sports where uh, a head coach and, and his assistants need to be great motivators. Um, I don't think in every sport it's that way. I just think the, the nature of football being so physical um, asks the coaches to do a little bit more. Um, when you're asking kids, quite frankly, to put their bodies on the line, you got to motivate them to do it, Jason. I mean, you, we don't want to go out there, strap up, and get – get knocked out with a targeting call, do we? I mean, I think you and me would make a formidable receiver duo um, for somebody, but, you know, you're right. <laughs> no, I mean, some, I mean, no, we're not going out there on our own to, to, <laughs> no, to cross the middle against linebackers. We, if, if Now, if Alex Grinch wants to come chat with us on the pod and motivate us to get out there and do it, may I, hey, maybe I'd do it. Yeah, maybe he could talk us into it. Maybe he could talk us. I haven't played football since Noble High School in uh, 2004. So, which by the uh, way, I, don't I, think heard, that I heard Noble High School is doing well. Uh, is that the truth? I'd, they having a I'd good love season? a chance to talk about Noble football for a second. Let's go. Finish yes, it off. six six and one, six and one. Only loss was to another really good team, uh, and they are well on their way to the first district championship at my school since I was a junior in high school. So, uh, yes, the Noble Bears are looking great this year, and I'm, ha I'm proud to shout them out on, on the outside world. Let's go. I'd love to make the, the last couple minutes of the pod. We'll do an offbeat story, and we will need a, a Noble High School update, uh, see how they're progressing through, through the playoffs. Yeah, so let's, let's make that a weekly thing. Let's make that a weekly thing. I love thing. it. 
Yes, <laughs> yes, we'll make that a weekly thing. And by the way, I, I've been on the record saying this many different times, Jason. I think there's only one pure version of football left, and that is high school football. I think that is the last bastion of pure football in this country at any level. I mean, you're probably right, and, you know, yeah. It's fun, and I think TV timeouts have a lot to do with it. I mean, I, I thought oh, about that my God, earlier this yes. week. I, I really did. I sat there and I thought about it. I said, you know, why do we as football fans, as media members of people that love the game, why do we allow networks to just drop in commercials and halt the game instead of playing? Like, that is absolutely insane to me. Like, play a commercial when there's a stoppage in action. Don't stop everybody from playing the game just because you want to show people on TV ads. And I know it's worse in the stadium as you sit there and twiddle your thumbs while the TV's commercials need to go on. Yeah, couldn't agree with you more. And I think that's uh, that's certainly a reason why you're right, that high school football is still very pure and uh, it means a lot to the communities and, and all of those things. And it's just, it's just a blast. So, um, And it's cool that my high school, which has not traditionally been very good, uh, is actually doing really well this year. He's Jason Kersey. You can follow him on Twitter at Jason Kersey. You can email him as well at jkersey at theathletic.com. Uh, remember, you can you can sign up for The Athletic on a free trial. If, if you don't want to uh, just quite subscribe yet, if the 40%, if you're not sold on that, go to theathletic.com slash college football free trial. That's slash CFB free trial. Go there. You can try a one-week free trial. If you like it, use theathletic.com slash the outside world to get that annual subscription for 40% off. I'm John Hayes. You can follow me at John Hayes on air. And until next time, uh, we'll talk to you then.